welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 154th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 569th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, January 9th, 2019. 2020. Thanks, Jared. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. While last night's game, albeit a win, was largely, if not completely devoid of banner moments, the net result was that the Hoosiers staved off what would have been an unspeakable loss thanks to a lack of focus and effort for the majority of the game. It's probably easy to read too much into what the last 10 minutes of last night's game, plus Archie's post-game comments might even mean, but even so, we may look back as a turning look back on it as a turning point toward hanging a banner one way or another. Ultimately, there are a couple different ways things could go from here. One is that the players don't respond or Archie doesn't follow through and hold them accountable, in which case the season is basically over and likely to spiral out of control. That feels like it'd be pretty hard to recover from on the heels of what we saw a season ago. And at some point as a coach, once you've lost the fan base, you never really get them back. And if that's how things play out, we're likely to start looking for the next coach charged with hanging another banner. So maybe that's a banner moment somewhere down the line. However, if the players do respond and display the same level of toughness and effort that was shown during that Wednesday night comeback, there's enough talent on the roster to get to the NCAA tournament, given the 12 wins that IU's already picked up. They're not going to compete for a Big Ten title. I think it's safe to say that at this point or get to the Final Four. But Archie has to restore the standard of effort that needs to be given on a game in and game out basis. And quite frankly, it might be too late because I still not quite sure how we've reached a point where pride and hustle can't be counted on game to game, particularly after last season. But here we are. And so we've got 10 minutes against Northwestern, and I think it takes even more than following that up with a good performance against Ohio State to convince me that somehow rallying to win a game against a league's worst team at home is truly a turning point in the season or even in Archie's tenure. But if this staff harbors any hopes of hanging another banner, the changes have to start now. The level of effort and focus have to improve now. Players have to respond now. Coaches have to respond now. Follow through and consistent accountability have to start now. Ultimately, time will tell whether the events of Wednesday night mean anything for this coach and this team, but we'll start to find out more on Saturday afternoon. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Jared is off tonight, probably working diligently to capture all the drops from Coach's latest AC After Dark last night, but uh, he'll be back to host the post-game show after the Ohio State game on Saturday. And if you're, uh, if you're curious what his thoughts are after a night to sleep on Indiana's performance against Northwestern, you can read the commentary he posted Thursday morning titled, It's Ultimatum Time for Archie Miller in Indiana, over at our website, assemblycall.com. But here with me tonight, as he was last night for the IU Northwestern postgame show, he's a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana and the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club. It's the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, I apparently do not have the Tonsoni Time song, or I did not know where it was, so I will play it now. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni Time. So, coach, now that you've had 24 hours to sleep on the uh, Northwestern game, what are your what are your thoughts uh, at this point this evening on uh, on what we witnessed last night? Well, it, it's um, 
it's everything you said in, in a banner moment. It, it's just time to do things right. And it's a little shocking that it's in year three and, and, and taking um, another downturn in order to get uh, some players' attention. And I think responsibility is on the coaching staff. It's also on the players. It's really 50-50. Uh, I know it it uh, depends on um, you know what, what you're looking at as a fan. And who who you want to cast the the blame to? But I think it's it's equal. Um, it, it's just it's disappointing uh, that that um, this is happening, and it's hard to coach uh, a team that's not bought in, and and it's it's tough. And and if we heard the post game press conferences uh, comments, and and from what I've heard from some sources that that went on in the locker room, uh, hopefully uh, Archie is at a point where. He's not going to turn back, and hopefully that does then lead this program to the right direction, whether that is wins or just the fact that he's going to be clear in his expectations. And, um, you know, so so change has to has to be made, and it'll be interesting to see what the lineup is and what the rotations are. We're going to talk about that later, uh, what shortened rotations might look, look for or look like. And it's just um, – I don't know how you put time into your craft and then not want to be focused and engaged. Um, but, but there is a lot of me in, in athletics, uh, and, and sometimes that rears its ugly head. And I think coaches need a psychology degree sometimes to do, to do their job. And the only thing that's keeping me sane is that Indiana has played some good basketball, and it's just seven minutes, eight minutes of really selfish, non-engaged, bad basketball that's really hurting Indiana. So I'm not sure it's a stretch to say it can get fixed, but when it's attitudes and effort, uh, I'm not I'm not confident that it that it will get fixed because that's uh, a default. People will default back to that. Maybe a game or two they can readjust. Uh, but if that's who people are, it's really hard to change them. So I, I'm more concerned that at any point I, uh, of the season so far, uh, but still trying to remain hopeful. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a fair way to look at it, I, I would say. And uh, we'll uh, we'll definitely discuss more of Archie's comments and kind of what that might mean uh, as we go forward. But to my right, he's a senior writer for the Big Lead, the world's most famous unemployed shot doctor, and a man just waiting to dust off his old Chargers gear when Tom Brady comes to town in 2020. He is Ryan Phillips. Yeah, that's not cool, man. Um, look, I wasn't on the I wasn't on the 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 show last night, and and uh, I know Jared advertised that some people had wanted me to be on because my job is to get angry and and yell here. Um, I'm gonna do a little of that. Um, here's the thing: if you're at Indiana and you're playing basketball at Indiana, you can't get excited for a home game in Assembly Hall, and you can't stay focused for you know, 40 minutes or I, I, at this point, I'd even take 30 Um, and and you can't be engaged and you can't dive on the floor and you can't, you know, cut hard and chase down your guys and run back on defense, do the simple things that are expected of you to play college basketball at a high level. I I don't think we want you there. And, and it's, if that's not telling certain players to get out, it's just, what are you doing? If you're not in love with basketball and you can't get excited to play for 40 minutes, why are you there? And, and and it just feels like there are stretches where this team is so listless and just does. And I'm sure these guys do care. I'm not suggesting they don't, but it feels like they don't. And there are long stretches of game and who knows the reason for it, but there are long stretches of games where these guys just lose it. They usually, it's usually after they get about a 10 point lead and then they just lose it. And, and they just, 
there's no initiative. There's no excitement. There's no, hey, guess what? We're playing pretty good basketball. Let's keep playing good basketball. It's kind of like, all right, we play good for a little bit. Let's chill. And and that's not how you win basketball games. You win basketball games by beating up on a team when you get a lead and, and pushing it and pushing it further and making them make mistakes. Sneaking by with a home win against a terrible Northwestern team is should not instill confidence. Yeah, they came back and they finally showed some heart at the end. But that shouldn't instill confidence. They got Ohio State coming in this weekend who's not going to give them that opportunity. And and I just feel like this team, and, and here's the problem I have right now, is that we've seen these lapses now for three different teams over three seasons. And it's starting to become less about, you know, this team and more about a pattern. And I, you know, I think Archie Miller, look, I, I've always said, I think Archie Miller is an incredibly smart basketball mind. I think he's a really good, um, I think, I think he's a really good about discussing, um, you know, the game and, and what needs to be done and the right things and all of that stuff. And I think he's really blunt in his press conference about what's wrong. The problem is there seems to be some kind of translation problem getting that to his players. I don't know if it's, the, it's having the right players or it's having this or having that or whatever, but whatever it is for three years, we've seen the same problems with these teams and that's a problem. And, and it tells me that Archie Miller, regardless of how smart he is or how good he is or how good he can be or where his ceiling is as a coach, forget all that. He's got a problem and he needs to change what he's doing. And if, if what you're doing isn't working, and what you're doing isn't getting through to the players. You can either change the players or change what you're doing. And right now, it doesn't look like he can change the players. He's got to change what he's doing. And if that means that you're shooting below 30% from three and you need to bring in somebody to help these guys develop as shooters for three years in a row, you haven't done that. It's time to bring in somebody who develops shooters. If your offense gets bogged down and slows down and gets, you know, it goes through five minute stretches where nothing gets produced. You got to change the offense and you got to fix it. And, and, and so three years of banging your head into the wall, doing the same thing over and over is leading to bad results. Guess what? It, you need to change what you're doing and fix it. If you want to have a job in Indiana, you got to change what you're doing and you got to fix it because there are plenty of people who want this job and you got to be better than them. And you got to go out and earn that position every year. This is not, I mean, the expectations in Indiana, whether they should be or not, are sky high. And you got to prove yourself every single year. And so far, it just feels like this team and this coaching staff haven't done that year in and year out. And they need to either fix it or get ready to be on the hot seat as firmly as possible because that's coming if they don't fix these problems. Yep, and we'll uh, we'll kind of get into a little bit more of that. I think the rotation stuff and some of Archie's other comments after the game really kind of put him in a position where it's it's put up or shut up time that you're either going to follow through on the things that were discussed or not. That was a lot of what uh, the the post I alluded to earlier that Jared wrote uh, today uh, was about. But uh, this week on the show, we're going to talk about a few other lingering thoughts from IU Northwestern. Uh, we'll look at in, in some depth at what a shortened rotation might actually look like if Archie's going to follow through on the comments that he made in the postgame. And uh, we'll get to your questions. So all that is coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. 
And before we get to all that, a quick reminder about tickets. If you're looking for tickets to IU basketball games the remainder of the season, either home or away, SeatGeek is the place to look. They deliver the best ticket buying experience with their website and app, and they also will help you identify the best ticket values so that you can get the most the best possible seat for your money. Best of all, you get $10 off with your first purchase with your first purchase with the promo code assembly. So use the URL iutickets.shop to go directly to the IU basketball ticket listing on SeatGeek. That's iutickets.shop and then use the promo code assembly when you purchase for $10 off. All right, so lingering IU Northwestern thoughts. There's a few things that that jumped out to me that are kind of where do we go from here uh, type things outside of the rotational stuff, like which, like I mentioned, we'll get to. Um, so the first question is around Devonte for me. So he he clearly was benched. I think um, you don't have to squint too hard to see that many of Archie's comments post game uh, were were directed or in relation to Devonte, potentially among others, but certainly uh, I think he fit the description of some of the things that, that, that were talked about. So I guess he puts himself in a little bit of a difficult spot. So I guess my question to you coach is, what does Archie do with Devonte from here? Does he, you know, can, is there any way that he can turn around and start him on Saturday and, and what kind of role um, given how things played out, how they played without him, how Devontae played when he was in the game, like what kind of next steps would you see from a coaching standpoint to, to kind of how you handle that situation as you move forward? Well, and, and I will piggyback on what Ryan said. You got to change the players. And right now you're not going to kick people off or change the, the makeup, but you can change the lineup. You can change the rotation. I think that has to be at least step one uh, for, for our Archie Miller. I think step two is you got to change as a coach with your accountability. Why did it wait till Minnesota to have that, uh, you know, big meeting and, and turn things around last year? I think, uh, you know, at Dayton, the, the kids might've been a little different and had a chip on their shoulder, whether they thought they were under-recruited or whatever, and they bought into the intensity, they bought into Coach Miller, wanted to prove a point. I, I think maybe the makeup of the players here uh, have been a little different, and that's on the head coach. When you get paid millions, you got to figure it out. These, these are your guys, whether you recruited them or not. Um, and I just think it's been tough both ways, players to adapt to Archie and Archie to adapt to the players. Uh, but it's got to get figured out and it's got to get fixed and it's got to get changed in some ways. But to your question, Andy, uh, I'm really hoping that Devontae is not in the starting lineup um, because otherwise the, the words ring hollow to fans and, and that creates more of an optics problem. If, if you're, if you're going to talk, I think it's obvious who the message was being sent to at least one person, maybe uh, where you don't know the, the other people he might be referring to. Uh, but here's why I think there, you, I, I think there are have to, candidates for a few of them. Yeah. You know, but, like but I, I think guys. we all know that it was Devante. Um, but here's why you have to start him, and I, I think our, our mediocre guy put something in the community, um, Jay, that you, you have a hurting Rob Finnessy who's, who's just not himself, and, and injuries and things outside the injuries have really put him behind the eight ball. And you got a freshman in Armand who has started some, uh, but, but his play hasn't been uh, necessarily rewarding of a start. So – uh, it's one thing we all want the bench. We all want the bench to motivate, but sometimes the guys you put in off the bench um, uh, aren't the best. And I'm not sure we're at the apocalyptic time where you got to go to Cooper Bybee yet um, against uh, Ohio State when you're 12 and three and still have your goals. So that that's the tough. That's a tough decision. That's the only way that I would accept. Um, Devonte, if they had a conversation, if the communication was such um, that we don't know about that, hey, um, you know, Devonte 
talks a good game or something. But but I, I really do think that I would not start him um, and, and to send a signal. Uh, he's going to have to play. I'm not sure you can bury him out of the rotation. We'll talk about that in the second segment. But um, you play him if he's doing the right things. He gets more minutes. If not, it's a quick hook um, with Devontae. Yeah, I think the, the leash is incredibly short at this point because otherwise yeah, – Otherwise, otherwise, like you said, Coach, you've really put yourself in a position coming out there after the game and saying this, that you, you really can't tolerate any of the things that, that he's tolerated so far. And, and if you see even the first sign of it from certainly a guy that you, you without saying his name, really called out in the postgame, you put yourself in a really tough spot. So uh, I think short leash for sure as we, as we go forward with him. I would never ask fans to go back and watch that Northwestern game, but you want to see the problem? Look at Devontae's body language while playing. I know there's some pictures and all that kind of stuff and what he was like when he was not in the game. I noticed it in the first four minutes uh, of just the way he was ball handling and, and nonchalant. I said casual last night on the show. Uh, and, and, and that's something that was – He plays like it's was, a pickup game. Uh, he plays, he yes. plays like it's a pickup game, and he plays with the intensity of a pickup game. And, and I'm not talking like a Rucker Park pickup game where you're going to get famous if you play right. well. He plays like you're just at the – he's just, At the just hyper. At, yeah, you're just down at the park with your friends. And, and I you know, I don't know if that's just his personality. And, and if it is, you know, I mean, there's nothing going to change that. No motivational technique is going to change that. It's it's just who he is as a guy. And, and it's so funny when you see – his brother, who's a really intense defender and 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 a guy who works on his craft so hard. I'm not saying Devontae doesn't work on his craft, but it doesn't show up on the court. Like the intensity doesn't show up on the court. And and again, a lot of these guys, I'm sure, feel like they're giving hundred percent and think they're they're doing their best. But it's clear there's more there from all of them. And they're they're you know, a lot of them are elite athletes when you put them on the the scale with normal humans like us. You know, these guys are elite level athletes and players and all of that. And it just doesn't come out on the floor. Uh, you know, while we're mentioning this, the one guy you've got to give credit to and, and some other guys kind of stepped up as the wave cascaded last night was Al Durham. Al Durham, we've been rough on this year for his disappearing acts and games. Al Durham showed up and played hard. He only hit two of seven shots from the field, but he made offense by going by getting fouled and going to the line. He moved. He played in, in with intensity on defense. And he just, you know, he he would get to the free throw line and get excited. And, and you know, a little bit of effort goes a long way. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a little bit of that extra sort of vibe and, and effort goes a long way. And Durham showed that last night. It's it's easy. It, it, the, game, the, the game conceptually is not that hard. If you play intense, smart basketball and you play defense, you'll win games. And, and it's 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 not hard to figure out. And you see a little intensity from Al Durham was able to raise the rest of his team's game, the, the rest of his teammates games and got a win over Northwestern, who was up 10 on Indiana. You know, I mean, you can beat a Big Ten opponent when you're down 10 just by showing a little enthusiasm and effort. It's not that hard when you're a better team than the other team. And this team has enough talent to win games. They have to play smart. They have to play defense. They have to play do all of those right things. But they have enough talent to compete with anyone in this conference. I mean, they do. If they, they play, they well. lack. They lack toughness. They lack toughness because yeah. when you start the game and you get and things are going well and you've been taught what to do and things are going well, but the minute that adversity hits, this team collectively uh, and not collectively, it's hard. a it's few, hard. a few Back of the guys hang their heads. 
And then it just snowballs because when you hang your head, that intensity wanes, the engagement wanes, and, and one bad offensive possession becomes three, four, five because good teams handle adversity, and after one or two bad possessions, they turn it around real quick. You have a good leader. Someone gets into everyone and gets it turned around. And, boy, one sign of a couple bad possessions, and, boy, it's scare time. It's like, oh, my gosh. Tough is it's toughness not, it's just heart. toughness. You you know this, Coach. Toughness, yeah. heart, and focus go a long way to winning basketball games. Overcome more, talent. More, more more important than scheme, more almost more important than talent, as you said, is just focus, toughness, and heart, man. You just have a plan, execute that plan, and don't give up and don't be lackadaisical. Just go at, get after it. And, and Ryan, that's where I'm kind of a little defensive of Archie, but I am questioning it too because I thought he was toughness and I thought he would breed that in. It's hard to give kids who don't have that naturally. You've got to bring it out of them somehow. you got to demand it. But at some point, if they don't bring the toughness that you want as a coach that represents your program, you sit, regardless of the talent. Uh, and that's the one problem I've had with uh, – the 11-man rotation, and, and I think yep. trying to make everyone happy as he moved into the program with a variety of recruits, I think he really tried to make sure that there was a team chemistry in that, almost to a fault, uh, to a point where uh, too much uh, uh, of a player's kind of coach and, and not enough of a, a, a drill sergeant it, it, from a long ways away, though, but at yeah. least my take. All right, well, I think that mention of the uh, 11-man rotation is a good place to, to kind of stop and segue to the next segment. So uh, coming up, uh, Archie did mention last night during the post-game press conference it might be time to shorten the rotation. Is that the right move? And who should be in and who should be out? We'll talk about it next. Stick with us on the Assembly Call. This is Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. Thank you, Jordan, and welcome back to The Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banter, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And we wanted to talk uh, about some comments that Archie Miller made after the Northwestern game. Uh, the, the quote here, I'll be honest with you, I don't necessarily know right now if the 11-guy rotation is going to work. I just don't know necessarily if that's the best thing moving forward, if we're not going to get all 11 heated up and playing as hard and as unselfish as we possibly can. It may be five. It may be just five. I don't know. So I, I guess the easiest place to start um, w- with this particular question is really if everyone agrees that that's the way to go and the, and the path forward for this team, the rotation was really shortened uh, last night. Um, I know on inside the hall, they talked about that and just how little subbing there really was over the last 10 minutes. I think three subs uh, potentially just over that time period. So if everybody agrees and Archie is really bound to follow through on that, the question becomes, what does that rotation actually look like? So, the guys in my head who would be a part of that really regardless uh, would be Trace, Brunk, uh, Finnessy. Again, we're going to assume some level of health, Justin Smith and Al Durham. Th- those feel like the five that are for sure there. Have to play. Yeah, yeah. Have maybe, to play. maybe I'm maybe I'm missing somebody else. I think Devontae, we would have all probably said, fell in that category. But 
in light of last night, maybe that's not a maybe that's not a given. So are you guys in agreement that those five are kind of yeah, certain, assuming full health to with be there? fantasy. Yes, yes, assuming fantasy gets better and this is at the optimum roster, yes, I agree. So then I Without think Without him, then it just throws it into a mess, honestly. Yeah. Really. So, so we had a couple questions because I think the next place to go is you, you kind of start to look down the roster and figure out wh- which guys might look or, or feel a little bit duplicative out there. And so we had a couple questions uh, around essentially Jerome Hunter and Demise. Um Bay Area Hoosier doesn't seem like major progress thus far from Jerome or Demise. Which, if either becomes a meaningful contributor as the season progresses, or do you see both being a victim of a shorter bench? Uh, and then Max had some thoughts on Hunter. Um, I I, I kind of jokingly said he feels like a chucker at this point. Uh, last night, the reality is, in, right? <laughs> reality, yeah. Well, yeah. Um, they they uh, reality is with him, he just seems hell bent on standing behind the three point line or taking step back threes. Really doesn't seem either confident or intent on getting other parts of his game going. And I think yeah. that's been the struggle because I think everybody who watched tape of him as a recruit and all those kinds of things saw a pretty versatile guy. Yeah, and he, he could re- do both. For he's sure. really become one dimensional, and the one dimension is not working all that well. So, yeah, uh, that, that's kind of the first coin flip, I guess, if you look between those two guys. I think coming into last night, Demizi would have been the answer if you were going to pick one of those two guys, but Jerome came off the bench before him a night ago. Uh, and so now you're kind of left wondering if one of those two guys is going to be one of the the guys who loses out in that scenario, which one is it? So coach, I'll throw that to you first. Do you have a lean one way or the other of, of who you think if only one guy emerges from that, which one is it? You know, I'm going to say Jerome Hunter because you learn more from a game than you do from practice. And yep. and, and one of the things, Ryan knows this too, when you cover coaches and you hear coaches in, in press conferences, we've had some luxury of, of covering some games. Uh, and the coach from up north up here, uh, while we might not like him uh, because he coaches there, has some really good things to say. But they were talking about the development of one of his sophomores, and, his, and he basically said he's getting to figure it out because he gets to play. Uh, when he only got six to nine minutes uh, the year before, it was a little difficult. His job was to come in and not mess up. Um, and, and now the job is different because you're getting 15 to 25 minutes uh, as a sophomore. And so that, that does play. I, I, I'm looking at this as a developmental program now, and, and we still want to get wins. I think getting Jerome back to possible where he was when he was recruited is a big part of moving this program forward, and he needs minutes. Um, and, and hopefully they're good minutes. And if for some reason they're not, uh, in my state of Indiana report on in the community um, – on Mighty Networks, I was really pleased with Demisi. I think he's really tried to get better, and I think his attitude's been good. I think he's defended better. I think really Demisi needs to be better on offense um, right now. He's defensively, he's earned that. Yeah. So um, overall, I'd like I like eight nine man rotations. I think part of the problem in the runs is that you get in the flow and then they're subbed out um, and they don't get you know major minutes. I believe your best guys got to get 28 to 33 minutes on a regular basis and play together. You, the, the, the combinations are important, uh, as well. And, and Jerome, uh, might've been told to be aggressive offensively. I, I seen, I've seen a different aggressiveness with him in the last two weeks. That might be the He's coaching definitely staff. Willing to, willing to shoot. Yeah. yeah. You know, the coaches sometimes will say that, Hey, you get six minutes. We, we need four or five shots from you. Don't pass up shots. We need you to take shots as, as trying to find some offense. So uh, I, I'm not so upset with him trying to chuck stuff because if he starts hitting, 
bank shots or not, that's that's going to help our team. I would pick Jerome in in, in that scenario just based on on the future uh, of where he's going, and he would back up Justin at the three, go a three guard lineup. Uh, two at a time with a third-man rotation, go with the two-man post, four and five, with the third man being race. Um, and there, there's your eight, and Demisi be nine. Uh, you know, but yeah. that's where I'd go. Yeah, I want to agree with you, Coach, but I want to say something different about Jerome. I just think he's more versatile than, than right. Demisi. Dem- Jerome can get a rebound, and if he can't get the outlet pass, he can bring the ball up the court. Demisi's kind of hopeless when that happens. He can post too. He can, he can post, he can move the ball up the court. I feel like his, uh, his awareness defensively while not perfect has gotten much better as, as has the I'll give him credit as well. He's defended better off the dribble. I mean, there were times when he came in, in the preseason and, you know, in those exhibition games and early in the season where teams would just attack the I mean, immediately mm-hmm. they would just swing the ball, find who was guarding him and who, who he was guarding and, and just attack. Um, Jerome is, is a guy I feel like is slowed down a little by the injury and, and, you know, getting back into shape and playing basketball again, but I feel like he's got more versatility to him. I feel like he can post. I feel like he can dribble and, and drive and handle the ball and not give it away. And one thing that's maddening about the is he'll get a rebound or a pass and just get it knocked out of his hand really easily. He just doesn't have strong hands. And maybe that's something that needs to be developed in the off season. We saw it last year and it clearly didn't get much better. That's something that needs to change. He needs to grip the ball when he gets it, you know, and so just kind of hanging it out there. Um, but I, yeah, I just think Jerome is a, is a more versatile guy. He's a higher ceiling guy for sure. And and I feel like at some point, and Jared and I have talked talked about this on on Banner Money. At some point, that guy's going to hit a couple shots, whether it's inside, outside, whatever. He's going to get a couple to fall. And you just look at him, you know, with his size and his athletic ability. You get that guy going, and and things look different for the bench right now. Right now, they're kind of hopeless off the bench, but but you get that guy going, it's great. So if if you want to put a ceiling on this season, you know, and and raise it a little bit, that's the guy you got to get going. I feel like Demise could come in and hit a couple threes, but he's not going to give you the versatility that Jerome does. Yeah, I think the the question really with either guy, and, and last night was not the best example because I think combined they only played. 11 minutes. So even if you said, I'm going to give all the minutes to one guy, that would really only have been two additional minutes for, for Jerome. Uh, and, and Jay makes a good point in the chat. I think there's a component of him being a little bit skittish to get into a lot of contact given, you know, the injury history and, and some of those kinds of things. And I think that's true. I just, th- they got to find a different way to get him going because having him stand on the three point line and just shoot it, it to me is not, uh, not working, and while he may be given that instruction to you know go in, don't pass up shots and and things like that. We also got to look at how many times is he coming in when there's two post players and there's no room to go. You know, well, I mean, there, there's, I know, but that's the way this team's going to be. I mean, if the if I agree. The, the core yeah. set of guys that we talked about is going to be there, like there's not going to be a lot of room to to, to post. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think the other the other question really comes in. I, I think everybody would agree. Race Thompson is probably another bench guy. I know Ryan would. Um, Duran feels like an odd man out in that scenario. If you're looking for another inside guy that you're uh, not going to play. I mean, they really rode Brunk and, and Trace down the stretch last night. We talked about after the game um, that that despite the shortcomings that Brunk has in different elements of his game, uh, the the level of effort and, and passion with which he plays is something yep. this team really needs game, to have It can be court. a game changer. It can be a game yeah. changer. So then I think it kind of comes to the other guard spot. I, I, a lot of that ties back to that question with uh, with Devontae and what really – how he responds to what happens last la- happened last night, how Archie handles him uh, after what happened there. 
and I think you, you, the struggle becomes Armand Franklin has uh, struggled since the Notre Dame game for sure. I, I think in some of the cases he's taken open shots that he's got to get more comfortable knocking down. He's not taking great care of the basketball, uh, which is really the biggest thing. But he played uh, – he, he was a key part of that run because – Fennessey, I think, came in maybe about the five-minute mark when he came in for for Durham. So it was really Durham and Armand who uh, were in there when when the run was taking place. So I think that's a guy that you got to try to figure out. Like, can you really trust him to play? You know, twelve, fifteen minutes a game. At he can this keep point, his I hands think to the, himself. The jury's still out on that, but I, I yeah, think that's it, the other kind of swing question at this point but, is, is how much. But you get if he out doesn't, of him. if he doesn't reach defensively, I'd be fine with having him on the floor just for defense, like you know, and just tell him whatever you get offensively is a bonus. Right now, is obviously you want to get more offense from him as you move along, but 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 is the one problem that I that, that he has is when he's guarding a tough defender. And, and the guy gets the ball. He immediately puts his hands on him. As I'm sure it's just a reflex, but he, he puts at least one hand like right on the guy's hip, and then he'll put another. And as soon as that guy drives, that's a foul every single time, and it's going to get called every single time. He's I, it's a natural instinct. I know he got away with it in high school. All that that guy's got to guard with his feet, not with his hands. That is that is the one exactly. thing. And if he does that, then it's better to have him on the floor because he doesn't he doesn't hurt you as much consistently offensively as some of the other guys do. I'm struggling because. In this question, guys, because right now it's just about the foundation for me. The, the, everyone's right on the X's and O's. If it's the X's and O's, Devontae's got to play a major minutes because he's good and he can go off for 30. But but I'm tired of people not playing the Indiana way. And so in my head, this is where I would be stubborn. I'm going to play guys who compete, whether they hand check on defense, whether they right. turn the ball over on offense, with race gets a tough rebound and outlets it to the other team by mistake uh, at Maryland. I, I'm going to play the guys who are my guys' toughness. And if you're not my guy and you're not tough, I don't care what your skill level is. I'm not playing you. And that's not good coaching because that, that's coaching angry. Um, and and we've all if you're in the business, you've coached angry, and that's when you sub way too much every mistake, and then kids are looking over your, their shoulder, and then they don't play free. Nobody gets in a rhythm. Nobody yeah. gets in a rhythm, and everyone's scared to make mistakes because it's going to affect their playing time. So you can't coach angry, but you can't coach nice. It, it, you got to be in, in that middle. But right now there needs to be a message sent. Um and I'll play Armand over Devante just because I think he's an Indiana guy that we're going to really enjoy for four years. Uh, and again, if if we're going to get beat and look bad doing it, we might as well look bad with the X's and O's and the hand checks and all those things from young guys who are who are laying it on the line to get them game experience. So the the, the next few years we're not getting um, their first experience in big major minutes. Um, when graduation and, and things hit. So uh, that, that, that's that's not fair. I, I'm not really proud that I said that just now, but that's part of the anger that I have. you forever, Coach. Well, I, you know, I, know be- right. I, I know better as a coach because it's a long season. It's 12 and 3. You know, you can't just look at one segment and just overreact as a coach because that that's not good either. But my goodness, six games uh, in a row where there's been major runs and major head hanging and p- 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 woe is me because I missed a shot or I didn't get a shot, that, that stuff should be eliminated. And um, so that that's where my eight, nine-man rotation, and in all honesty, hopefully in good coaching, if Devontae's playing well and has good body language, we run with him. If not, done. Well, then you get another chance the next game. And, and, and it's just simple for him. Do it right or sit. Yeah. And I think that's really where, I mean, we're going to beat this to death, I feel like, but that's really where all the things that were said in the postgame last night, like those have to come to fruition 
as soon as Saturday and, and say, look, I'm not putting up with this. I didn't put it up with it in this game, and we were able to come back from a, a deficit. You can't backtrack on that kind of stuff at, at that point. And I think the challenge is a little bit is, and, and the Crimson Cast guys uh, talked about this as well today, is that it's fine to say that you want a seven or eight-man rotation. The problem is that you have no idea which seven or eight guys are going to show up ready to play on a given night with this team. And I think that probably leads to a little bit more of what you saw down the stretch last night where he's really going to ride ride guys as they're, as they're playing well. Uh, and I think that's – you talked about substitution patterns, and uh, I know we had a question about that as well. Uh, I, I just think there's been some things there where teams got good chemistry, good momentum, and then you sub somebody out. Uh, it's one of those years I don't I don't miss the time that I spent doing all the lineup analysis that I used to do after these shows, but it, there's part of me that it would have been interesting to to look at some of those things uh, over the course of the season and uh, and do that. But uh, I guess I'm glad that I'm not staying up to like one of the more well, doing it. But an 11 man rotation makes uh, substitution patterns just um, tough. It's a nightmare and, and, yeah. and a flow Aren't you glad of you're not play. Doing that anymore, Andy? I'm really <laughs> glad. Really, really lineups. quite glad. Other than it would be nice to be able to answer my own questions sometimes, but you know we'll uh, we'll do what we can. So we'll wrap this up with another comment that Archie made this week. Ryan, you said you wanted to to chime in on this uh, on the coach's show on Monday. Their question came up about the three point shooting. Uh, I can't imagine why, um, but uh, <laughs> Archie basically said it was BS that, that this team didn't shoot the ball well. So I will uh, open the floor to you. I know Zach Osterman wrote something this week that. Uh, refuted that with some some statistics Numbers. at least based yeah. on uh what is actually happening and what we're all uh observing but uh what were your thoughts on that yeah I, what archie said was that he thought it was bs that they can't shoot not that they were missing them he said that the problem is and 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 i i even <laughs> well the missing up, is inarguable at this point yeah, not really <laughs> and, and and what i what i said and i responded to uh maclaski the indy indy star put up a st- his statistics and i said look i think what archie's saying isn't necessarily wrong that they can't, they're not, that they're incapable of making threes. They're just shooting bad threes. They're, they're guarded the off, you know, or they're forcing them late when the offense is bogged down or they're taking them early when they should, like they're not shooting good threes, like even ones that are open. Sometimes if they're not off a reversal or something like that, it, it's a problem. You got to shoot them in rhythm. And, and I don't think there's, I, I would never argue that they're great shooters on this team, but, there's ways to clean up those numbers a little bit. And, and it's, we've talked about it. It's, it's running sets for shooters. It's, it's, you know, running guys off screens and, and getting them open and, and. Fellas, it's here, point guard play. Yeah. Has you got to penetrate the defense and then you got to hit the shooter in rhythm in their shooting pocket so they can get the shot with a off good, quick. Yeah, with a perfect And pass. our point it's, guard has been injured and non-effective when he's been in the game. Yeah, our 32 then, minute point guard. And so. Um, Al Durham, bless his heart, is trying to be the point guard, but he's just not the same. Um, no. and, and that whole rhythm, the guard play, is why the ball doesn't go in the post when it needs to, and the guard play is why the threes are out of rhythm and look bad because um, they're not getting to the right spots at the right time. And what I would say about the three-point shooting, it becomes a bigger deal. So we all know, I mean, I know this sounds very obvious, and I said it on Banner Monday, it's very obvious, but the reason that three-point shooting is important is because you get an extra point. Basically, it's that that's why it's important. You get an extra point every time you make one. If Ryan you're Phillips, missing big, big time math guy. There you go. But if you're Breaking missing, news. if you're not adding those extra points, if you're not tacking those on, you need to get them somewhere else because everybody else is getting them. Where do you get them? You get them at the free throw line if you can't get them elsewhere. And, and, and in the games where Indiana has not shot free throws, they've lost largely because they can't hit those outside shots to balance that out. 
And against Northwestern, they won because they got to the free throw line. It's the only reason they won was because late they got to the free throw line. And they earned a lot of those fouls early and everything like that. But they made 23 of 30 free throws. And, and that's where they won the game. So if you're not shooting from the outside, you need to find a way to get to the free throw line. And what has happened, I think, with Indiana, when they've been in bad stretches of play, just throw the ball into the post, drive into the middle, do something where at least you could get fouled and get some free throws out of it, or at least make progress towards the point where you're in the bonus and you're making free throws. I just feel like too much when this offense gets bogged down, the ball goes side to side, side to side, side to side, and then it's like, oh, man, there's 10 seconds left. we got to do something. And it's, it, it, it's, it's a problem. If you're not shooting threes, you can win games when you don't shoot threes if you get find those extra points somewhere else, and they need to start getting to the line more consistently. Absolutely right, and that's why transition offense is going to be a key. Get transition post touches, get transition fouls, get the other team in foul trouble, get to the bonus, and maybe get some transition threes where you throw it inside, they collapse, you kick out, and you have a step-in three from the paint In rhythm moving forward. In rhythm moving forward. Uh, The first six shots were that. Uh, if you if you go back at three for six before we missed the last eight, they were transition, in rhythm, inside, out, stepping in, shooting. And I think that's what Archie meant, that, yes, we can shoot uh, at least effectively. Um, it's not like it's never going to be there. It just has to be better basketball. Well, and the other thing is, is if you're driving downhill like that, that aggressiveness wears off on, on the rest of your team. And so you, they see you getting rewarded for driving hard into the paint. You may not make the shot. I mean, Al Durham didn't make shots, you know, in the paint yesterday, really. He made his, you know, he made, he got his points at the free throw line. But other people started being aggressive after they saw that. It's like, hey, we can all get rewarded from just being aggressive. And that should be your default setting is to be aggressive on offense, not to sort of look and maybe hunt for a little thing over here or, or try and, you know, come in over here. No, go to the hoop. Get there. Give the ball to your best player in a place where he might get fouled. And, and, and that rubs off on everybody else. That aggressiveness and that, that focus and that intensity are what this team's missing. Yep. All right. Well, coming up on our third segment, we'll answer more of your questions. We've got the mediocre question of the week back, and we'll also discuss what it means for a team to come back from the brink of catastrophe like IU did last night. That and more. Stick with us here on The Assembly Call. Zizloft, I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Welcome back to The Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms here with Ryan Phillips and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right, now it's time for our mailbag, and all questions were submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can find out more about at assemblycall.com slash community. All right, so now it's time for what everyone has always been waiting for. It's the mediocre question of the week. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. 
easily my favorite audio on this show. Not even, not even close. It's, uh, it's good. It's good. I, I'm not going to lie. I must have missed the first time it was used, but Jared sent it to me today, so he made sure that I had it when I was hosting. So, All right, so Jay's question this week. We are now 15 games into a 31-game regular season schedule. IU is 12-3, and 2-2 two and two in the Big Ten. I think most fans would have taken that record to this point, even though the current attitude of the fan base, or at least a very vocal portion of it, is very negative. Has your definition of a successful season changed now that the season is half over? What does IU need to do over its remaining games for you to consider this season a success? And what outcome would quiet some of the very outspoken negative voices in the IU fan base? So, Ryan, I'll throw that one to you first. Well, you're never going to quiet the negative voices until you win a national championship. Let's just be honest. Indiana's fans are a little nutty. Uh, every fan base has their their crazy, nutty portion but five national championships and all the expenditures that this program has in it you expect national championships and that's where the goal should be obviously um consistently competing for that but i will say that i think that for me the definition of success is still where it always is the sweet 16 and a and, and top four in the big 10 uh big 10's wide open this year anybody could sneak into that top four legitimately teams are losing in places they should not lose every night of this of this season. So I, I think that that is still fully, you know, attainable. Uh, the problem is, is that this team has to get there and this team has to improve a lot to be on that level. But I, I look, if you make the sweet 16 and you bring back almost all of these guys and, and you know, top four in the, in the, in the big 10, you bring, and you bring back almost all of these guys and all your important rotation players and you add the new recruits to it. People will be excited about next season. You know, that will get people excited uh, more than it will have them focusing on the negative. So I think that's what my definition of success is this year. Coach, what about you? Um, Mine has changed, sadly, um, because I'm just really disappointed in the upperclassmen's approach to playing basketball. Uh, I I think uh, all all of those comments, getting to the tournament, obviously, would be a, a successful season. But it's almost to the point now where just finding the guys who do things right and playing them and developing them and getting them minutes to me would be a success instead of wasting minutes on people uh, that that aren't going to be here and don't care to be here. Um, and, and, and that's that's just not good. I, I want to make the tournament. Uh, it's it's very iffy right now, uh, even at twelve and three. Um, as you know, Andy, when you put your bracketology together, it's, it's kind of just hoping Indiana can be on that 10 or 11 line. Um, so I'm not sure that's attainable with where where we see them unless things change and we can always hold out hope, but, uh, making the tournament for me would obviously be uh, successful at this point. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. I think the, what you really want to see as much as anything is, I mean, what, what we've seen from this team recently doesn't give you a lot of hope that that goal of success is really attainable. Um, and so I, I, for, for me, it's, it's a little bit of what coach said, just in terms of being able to reestablish what the effort is and for this team to actually find an identity of what is IU basketball going to be under Archie Miller. I think everybody had an idea of what that was going to look like and you see glimpses of it, but those glimpses, feel like they get fewer and farther between. And so uh, at some point you have to establish who your core guys are going forward. Uh, and and at this point, based on all the stuff we've talked about, that's really what I'm looking for. Um, I don't know that that defines success, but uh, you, you can't go into another off season 
not not knowing who you can count on in a given year. And and we have probably talked ourselves into some guys that we had reasons to say, I don't know that we believe that this can actually happen going forward, but you got to see something so you can establish who the who the core is, what the foundation is, and uh, and where things go from there. Uh, all right, next question is from Patrick. We were dead in the water last night. It was palpable. Yet a team of guys, not a full team, stuck with it and responded, I'm not religious, but my girlfriend is. And she turned to me and said, this is Lazarus. This is resurrection. Can you talk about wow. what it means when a team does respond that way, but focus on the choices and actions that lead to the response? So, Coach, I'll go to you first on this one. We don't have a ton of time, but uh, give you gonna, quick uh, thoughts at least. Being 12-3 and three with where this team is, with a bunch of guys underachieving, is really remarkable once you get over the anger and the disappointing level of play. Um, you know, most of the talent is underachieving, some of it due to injury at the sophomore level, some of it because of uh, mental approach at the upper level. But this team should not be 12-3. and three. That has to give a little bit of uh, hope for us, too, that they fought back at Notre Dame after being down. They fought back at, uh, you know, Nebraska. And that not, not the way we want to see it play out, but those could have been losses. And we're, we're at 8-7 and seven and 9-6, and six and, the, and and the boat is really sinking. So... There is some toughness. It's just not enough consistency uh, to be a really good program at this time. Ryan, about 30 seconds. What do you take away from the team being able to respond in that scenario? The book of Archie uh, that was left out of the Bible, apparently. Um, look, I I mean, it's, I, yeah, I'm happy they won. But at the same time, they should have never been in that position. And that's what disappoints me. I think it, it was great that certain guys responded. But that's only great if it carries over to the next game, you know, and, and it's and, and I, coach and I've talked about this a lot. It's less about what you've done and more about how you respond to what you've done and how you carry that forward. And if that doesn't carry forward, it didn't matter that they beat. North. That's it. We're done. No more questions. All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's edition of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing most of the music you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night as well as Saturday after the Ohio State game. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Want to save 17 gallons of fuel every 1,000 miles? You can with the powerful combination of Michelin X1 tires and the Michelin Energy Guard aerodynamic solution on your truck. Michelin X1 tires can reduce rolling resistance up to 30% for more fuel savings. And Michelin Energy Guard helps you control airflow for lower costs per mile. Go to business.michelinman.com slash fuel saver for details and start saving today. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.